Being a mother is easy. Said no mom ever, right? If you can imagine a job that uh, you might apply for that doesn't pay you, uh, that you actually pour yourself into night and day, you're on call all the time, uh, and you have a little human that uh, doesn't understand and doesn't want to understand some things. They maybe love you for a period of time, and then they come to a certain age when they act like they don't need you anymore. Um, they break your, your heart. Uh, maybe eventually they come back around and they love you so that they can get money or uh, something along those lines. Um, you know, that's, that's a wonderful job, right? That's, a, that's, that's, that's great. We'll, we'll all go signing up for that job, right? Of course not. Um, you know, being a parent in general is, is difficult, but uh, mothers have a lot on their shoulders. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about mothers today. Uh, I don't usually line up uh, Mother's Day sermon seeing Mother's Day coming along. I don't usually observe holidays of any kind. Um, but I had planned on doing a family series, and I said, why not uh, line it up with Mother's Day? So uh, we're going to be talking about mothers uh, today and how... Uh, they assume their role. Of course, this is going to be more scriptural. I'm not going to be just telling funny stories and, and you know, entertaining you, but uh, we're going to be focusing in on mothers. Who are mothers? What are they, what are they about? What do they do? Uh, how do they do it? And, and what are we going to do to help them in that effort? Uh, so that's our study that's, that we're going to do today. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The role of the mother is extremely, extremely important in the family. Uh, and as we think about families, and we've been studying through this series, we know family is the foundation. It's the building block of our future. Uh, the generations that come up, they start in a family. And it's important for the mothers and the fathers to be focused in on the spiritual, uh, spirituality of their children, to bring them up in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they will not depart from it. Uh, that is our mission and our goal as mothers and fathers. And and certainly mothers are just as important in that as fathers. But unfortunately, the world we live in uh, likes to distort things uh, as they tend to uh, belittle men and, and push them down as insignificant. And in all the TV shows, they make a joke of him. Um, oftentimes, they uh, make, make women into something that, uh, and being a woman, into something that is uh, a little different than what God really desires for women to be. Um, as, we st as we watch movies, feminism is constantly being pushed through all the movies that we're watching and all the, the TV shows. And there's this picture of uh, being an independent woman is glorified. Right? That is uh, the, the pinnacle of womanhood, to be independent uh, and to, to not need or rely on a man at all uh, is supposedly the way that things are supposed to be. Uh, really, who needs a father, right, uh, when the mother can just do it all? Uh, in our society, there's, there's plenty of situations now where single motherhood is, is uh, just what happens. Uh, and it's, it's not, in, in many cases, to be avoided. Men are failing miserably, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, the, the way society looks at that is not as though that's wrong or that that's, that shouldn't be, but it's as though 
you do that, you know. You, you adopt that child without having a husband, and you, you take on that raising of a child by yourself because you can do it, and, and you should be proud of the fact that you can do that. You don't need him is kind of the, the way that that's portrayed. But as we, as we just think about that, we understand if a, if, a, if a woman is the mother and she is forced in a position where the husband is absent or, or not willing to participate in some reason, some, for some reason, she has to become a jack-of-all-trades and master of none, so to speak. She has to fill in for all the things that are missing in the husband. And, and in these homes where there's no father figure, uh, women struggle with fulfilling the needs that the child has for a father. Fathers are playing a vital role in the family. Uh, and as I said last week, there's just there's a, a lot of problems I'm seeing even coaching young kids where the father is absent. And it's obvious. There's, there's serious issues going on here. Uh, it's, it's just not the, the way things ought to be. We need to get back to the way things uh, were originally intended. The way God originally designed the family to be, the family unit, uh, that's the way we need to get back to. That's the traditional view that, that is shunned in our society because we think we know better, and we don't. Uh, those things are, are vital to the growth of, of children in a healthy way. For them to spiritually grow and become what God really wants them to be, the mother and the father both need to play their part. They need to enter into the role that God has given them with joy and with sacrificial love for one another and sacrificial love for their children. As we study and we learn about women, we're going to see how God has wired them differently. He's designed them differently. He's given them a stronger sense of compassion and love and tenderness uh, that, that is not typical in men. Uh, and he's not blessed them with uh, or, you know, given them the, the abilities of the sternness and the strictness and the, the, the strength that men commonly show themselves as having toward children. But sometimes women have to make up for what's lacking. And sadly, the reason why things are the way that they are is not because necessarily women forced it to be this way, but in many cases it's because men just failed to do what we were supposed to do. When men refuse to step up and fulfill their role, women are put in an awkward position. And I'm afraid that's happening the majority of the time. Not every time, I know, there are some cases where women are just, you know, defiantly taking charge, but a lot of times men are just not stepping up. They're being passive and letting, uh, letting the woman uh, deal with everything instead of playing the role that God has given them to do. We have an example of this in the book of Judges. If you know the story of Deborah the judge, really as you read through the Judges, you just see men who are just weak and struggling in so many different ways. Uh, but the story of, of Deborah is very interesting. She's the only woman judge. And it's interesting because we don't really see anything wrong with Deborah. Like all these other judges, there's something wrong. <laughs> there's some issue that they have that they're facing. Deborah seems to have everything put together. She's a prophetess. And she speaks to Barak and calls for him to take an army out and to go and defeat the Canaanites. 
And she says, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go gather men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his, ar- with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. And listen to what Barak says. If you go with me, I'll go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. What are you doing, Barak? Like, why? Yeah, she's a prophetess. She's a judge. She's a wonderful woman. But Barak, you've been commanded to go and to fight another army. And God has said, I will give them to you. Where's your faith? Where's your courage? There's something wrong with this. There's something wrong whenever an armed robber comes into the house and the man hides behind the woman and expects her to protect him. There's something wrong. We know that. That is not the way things are supposed to be. Men are supposed to be the stronger, more courageous, more bold, willing to step out and to do the things that that need to be done whenever they need to be done. That's who God created us to be. We see in this that Barak loses honor because he's done this. God is not excited about the fact that he's desiring Deborah to come along with him. He says, what are you doing? And he takes the honor away. The, murder, the, the killing of uh, Caesarea, the general of the army, is eventually done by jail with a tent peg, a woman with, in a tent with a tent peg, not by Barak. He does not get glory and honor from this as much as uh, Deborah gets or as much as jail gets. God is not pleased with this. Now, you look at this story, you see Deborah... She's called the mother of Israel. There's a song that's written to her. I mean, she gets all kinds of honor. She steps up when men don't. And you just think, wow, what a woman she is. And that's, that's right. That's right. Whenever men fail and women step up and have to do the things that the men ought to do, what a woman that is. And I'll tell you what, in our society, because men have failed so often, there are a lot of women who are stepping up like that. And doing the things that we are failing to do as men. It's a sad situation. It's not the way things are supposed to be. And ultimately, the guilt falls on the men. Who are just uncaring about their role. And unwilling to step up in bravery and courage. And do the things that God really wants them to do. But women have to step in. In some cases. Uh, But that is not the way God designed it. God's view is not for women to be the head of the household. His view is not for women to do all the things that are difficult and for men to sit back and to to act weak and incompetent and act like they can't do anything. His desire is for women to fulfill the role that he's given them. In the beginning, whenever God created man and woman, it's interesting as you go to to Genesis chapter 1, you see that uh, he didn't just create man in his image and then create woman as this secondary thing. <laughs> but it says he created him in his, in his image. Man and woman, he created them. They are created in his image. Do you know that women have uh, characteristics of God? They are image bearers of God, just like men are characteristics, have Im- Im- characteristics of God. Uh, So many times throughout the scriptures, God is portrayed as the father figure and as the masculine figure um, because of his strength, because of his power, uh, because of his ability to lead, and he is the leader. But 
sometimes God is given characteristics uh, that relate to women and mothers in particular. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13, it says, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. God is portrayed as a comforter. And he says, that's how mothers are. This is a characteristic that God has put into mothers, that they are comforters. God has designed them soft and gentle and cushiony and, and, and you know, warm. He's designed them in such a way that they can provide comfort that no one else can. Many times our, our children, as they were in those younger stages, they didn't want anyone but mommy. That was it. <laughs> and I couldn't do anything to convince them otherwise. In some cases, you know, with Joseph, he wouldn't even take a bottle, so I couldn't give him any food at all. It was just, okay, he's yours, and, and you know, I guess I'll go back to bed, and, uh, you know, that's going to be rough for you, but I'm sorry. Uh, but that was kind of the situation. It was like, I can't, I can't do anything here. I mean, I'm up with you at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I've got to work tomorrow, and I can't help you. Um, so it, that they just, that children are drawn to mothers. They can provide comfort in ways that, unfortunately, we can't. As a father, sometimes I'm kind of jealous of this, you know. I want to be a comfort to my children. But I find myself struggling to, to have those same characteristics as my wife does. I, maybe I can do it to some extent, but I can't do it to the extent that she can. Women are the ultimate caretakers. Mothers are the ultimate caretakers. I find it interesting in Isaiah 49 as God is talking about uh, Israel and how he loves them and how he's going to save them, that he once again shows himself to have these motherly kind of qualities. Verse 13 says, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Notice God says, mothers don't forget their nursing children. They know where their child is. They understand what they need, and they're willing to pour themselves out to take care of and provide for their children. They're willing to even, in some cases, sacrifice themselves to make sure their children are cared for. They are so devoted. And he says, of course, I will be devoted to you. Essentially, he says, I am even a better mother than a mother would be. Maybe they would forsake you, but I would never forsake you. And that's the way God describes himself. You see in this... The, the characteristic of, that, that God has placed and designed into women, that they be the comforter, that they be the one who shows compassion even on those who have, who have turned against them, that they be the ones who are patient and kind and gentle and, and willing to help those uh, who are hers. That's exactly what God wants from women uh, and from mothers. That's, that's how he designed them. And God also expects for them to have authority in the household. Now, that's not as though the men are head and women are just second fiddle and they don't get listened to and they can get ignored and disrespected by the children. No, 
God expects them to be listened to and for them to have authority as well. The command uh, from God in the Ten Commandments is to obey your father and your mother. And so as the father figure, it is important for us to not, uh, you know, be a detriment to her authority, for us to lift up her authority. And if a child is disrespecting her, then we are certainly uh, right to correct the child for doing that. It's important for her to have the, the authority to say the things that need to be done in the household and to direct the children in that way. Notice God is desiring for us to be what we're called to be, to be what we were created to be. He wants to exemplify his love and his care, and he uses a mother to, to show us how much he loves and cares because mothers are this great representation of that characteristic of comfort and love. They're created in his image, and they have part of the, the image as they live their lives that, that are naturally ingrained in them. Let's talk a little bit about the role of godly mothers in the family. Maybe that um, some of you are here and just kind of like, well, I'm not a mother. Um, you know, I maybe wanted to be a mother and hadn't, had, hadn't been able to be a mother. Maybe in some cases just hadn't gotten to that point yet where you're uh, ready for motherhood. Maybe some of you uh, have lost children or something like that. But, but really, there's lots of different types of mothers. There are mothers who uh, are mothers right now of young children. God's grace is with you as you <laughs> are not even able to hear sermons because the children are going nuts right now, right? Uh, but, you know, there's, there's mothers who are mothers of nieces, mothers of nephews, mothers of cousins, mothers of church kids. There's a lot of those in here. Uh, there's a lot of different types of mothers, spiritual mothers over even me and, and some of the other men here and, and women here, that you've just taken us under your wing, that you've cared for us, that you've shown us the help uh, that we need in our times of struggle. There are many mothers uh, in our congregation, and, and many of the ladies here, all of you really could fit into this category as a mother. So let's talk about your role. Uh, whenever we did the scripture reading in Proverbs 31, it's probably one of the most common texts for us to think about uh, whenever it comes to talking about women. It's interesting, though, that that text in Proverbs 31 is a mother writing to her son and trying to explain to him the type of woman that he ought to marry. So we see in that that uh, the motherly figure is willing to provide counsel and direction to her child, uh, and she is... Uh, trying to encourage him to select the right woman who will then be the mother of her children and uh, other of his children and will direct them and lead them and help them. And as you look at Proverbs 31, you notice that this is a working woman. This is not a woman who is uh, just hanging out and, you know, letting other people take care of everything. She is actively involved in business uh, in providing for her family and her household. She's uh, knitting and sewing up clothes. Of course, they don't have the, the stores. We just go buy clothes today. But she's working, and she's diligently working to help provide. And, and she's also building up her husband and helping him to, to find success. And she's uh, instructing her children in how to be kind. In verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue uh, verse 30, it says, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's this picture of 
the type of woman you want is the type of woman who will be the mother uh, and the wife that supports you in all that you do and that helps your children to grow and to prosper. And that's the picture of the Proverbs 31 woman. And it shows us that there are all types of mothers and that there are some situations where there are stay-at-home mothers. And, you know, Jenna is fortunate enough because of your support to stay at home with our children as they're young and, and to spend time training them and helping them. And there are some situations when women, uh, maybe as we talked about before, because of the failure of men uh, or because, hopefully not, because of their chasing after money and things that don't satisfy, uh, but there are women who are working and that that is understandable to some extent. Now, the Industrial Revolution's led to a lot of women working, maybe uh, perhaps that they don't really need to be, uh, but that is certainly part of it, that a woman would do work, that she would be busy doing the work that God has given her to do. Uh, and that's, that's a picture of a woman, a mother, uh, that we find in Proverbs 31. But I'd like to spend a lot of time looking at Titus chapter 2. So if you want to get your Bibles and turn with me to Titus chapter 2, we're going to look a little bit more in depth at this text. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 3. This is... Paul writing to Titus, and he's explaining to him things that he ought to be teaching the church there. He's telling them what to teach to older men, and now he gets to what to teach older women. Listen to what he says in verse 3. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, we're going to go deep into that and understanding it all, but consider this, what he's saying to the women is, God wants you to exemplify the Christian life for your family. Mothers, this is God's desire for you. Yeah, you might be working and you might be busy doing a lot of different things, but this is what God desires from you. He wants you to exemplify the Christian life for your family. And I think this points to one of the most important characteristics of women, that they are influencers. They're not given the role of headship in the family, but man, God has given them power of influence over the husband, over the children, that they can have this persuasiveness. The one who comforts you and shows compassion to you, who loves you, is the one you're drawn to, the one that you desire to please, and the one you desire to make proud. And that's exactly the case. We see women have this power of influence over their family, and that they're supposed to use that power to exemplify Christ that they would be a Christian example for everybody. The things that are being described here, most of them are things that are expected of all Christians everywhere, men, women, everyone. Uh, but notice how with women, this is what is focused on, that the older women would train their, the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. Think about that for a second. Isn't that odd? I mean, ladies, y'all don't need training in this, do you? It's easy. Husbands, we're the easiest people to love. Children, I mean, come on. They never get on your last nerve. Of course they do. Uh, you know, 
we are imperfect and we have issues. <laughs> um, but even the best of us uh, and, and the best of children, they're just a constant stream of messes and questions that's just constantly coming out of children all the time. Uh, and it's difficult to love your children, to love your husband. And so he says, older women, you need to be training and teaching the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. Consider the value, the importance of love in the family. Consider that, that what Paul says here is that women are intended to exemplify love, to promote love in the family. That comfort and compassion that we talked about earlier that is a characteristic of God that is in women is something that is supposed to be seen so that everyone grasps the idea of love. And if love is in the home, there's happiness. We'll sing in just a little bit. There's joy. There's peace. And women are supposed to bring the love in. And too many times, because they're playing these multiple roles, love is hard. Love is really hard. Uh, it's, and it's, it becomes very difficult in some situations to show the kind of love that, that mothers are called to show toward their children and toward their husbands. Uh, you remember 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, love is patient and kind. It does not boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, if you had a mother who fits that description, praise God for that. Praise God for that. And as I think about these words... I don't think I know of people, I don't think I know of fathers or men who fit it as well as mothers do. I mean, realistically, I'm honest. And so I, I think as we see mothers are closer to this, they're supposed to be the example of this. They're supposed to teach their children this and help their children understand what love is and where love comes from as they show it to their children. But he doesn't stop with love. He continues. He says uh, to teach them to love their husband and children. He also says to be self-controlled, to be pure. And he talks about being kind. All of these things are intended for, for mothers to have, for them to have control of themselves. And that's not an easy thing for anybody. That's a, that's a fruit of the Spirit that's supposed to come to us as we, as we understand the grace of God and we're putting on the love of Christ and, and trying to live our lives out. That's a difficult thing. But as mothers who are dealing with unruly children and maybe a husband who isn't helping as much, self-control is in short supply. Uh, and it's difficult to control our tempers and to control our attitudes. And so he says older women need to help the younger women with that. Uh, and in purity, to, to maintain your purity, to be kind toward those who are around you. I mean, these are all examples of what Christians are called to be. And mothers, you are the example. You are the influencer. You, ha you spend more time with children probably than the fathers do in most situations. And the way you live has an impact on their lives. Notice he also says this, submitting to their husbands, working at home. 
I could say anything that would get me in trouble, right? I mean, this is, uh, this is uh, completely against the grain of society. Submitting to your husbands, working at home. You know, I, I said earlier, there's this image of the Proverbs 31 woman who is working and, and she's in business and she's constantly doing things. And that's a wonderful thing. And we, we admire women who are willing to do that. But let's not forget that God's role for you is to, to help the home to be what it should be. Uh, it's men's, men have a responsibility too. I'm not saying it's all on you, but there is extra weight given to women working at home. And I hope you don't get mad at me for saying, I'm messenger, this is exactly what the word of God says, okay, to, to work at home. That there would be this expectation that the, the, the mother would not be gone away traveling, working so much, and the father would be sitting at home, working at home and all that, but that she would be the one who is at home working and all of that with the children and spending the time that's needed with the children, and she's showing them the comfort that they need, the compassion that they need to help them to grow and to develop, and that she would be willing to submit to her husband. Again, something not popular in our society. Uh, again, something that's not easy, especially in the case of a husband who's not doing what he ought to be doing. But it's something that women are called to do. And notice, this is an extremely, extremely important part. This is extremely important. If you listen to nothing else, understand this. He says that the word of God may not be reviled. Okay? You remember how last week I said, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. We talked about what that means and how we can do that. Well, mothers, you have influence too. And you can bring about a rebellious heart in your child. To revile is to criticize with this abusiveness, abusive tone, abusive anger. And to, to have that feeling toward the word of God, there's something that's gone wrong in the home. A lot of cases. He says that you could have that kind of influence on your child. Essentially by refusing to submit to the husband, refusing to work at home, refusing to have love in your heart, refusing to be self-controlled, refusing to be pure, refusing to be kind, you're stirring up a, a rebellious heart in your child that doesn't care about the word of God. We have to be very careful mothers to make sure that we're setting the Christian example in our homes and that we're maintaining that even when we don't want to for the sake of our children's hearts and their minds. I have one other text that I want to go to before uh, the lesson closes, and that is this wonderful example that we have in the book of Second Timothy. Uh, in Second Timothy, we read about how Timothy was brought up with his mother and his grandmother being the ones that cared for him. His mother and grandmother were uh, supporting him all along. And his father was a Greek. His father didn't know uh, God. He didn't know God's word and didn't, didn't teach him hardly anything. So we have this situation where it's very much the Deborah situation. The father's not doing anything, but the mother is stepping up. And the grandmother also, we have an older woman coming in and helping and assisting. And we see that as Paul is talking to Timothy, you just go like a, a page back. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, we see that Timothy is being called to rely on all the things that his mother has taught him. Look at verse 14. 
But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in, in Jesus. Notice how he points to from childhood. You've been equipped with all of this understanding. His mother and his grandmother had spent the time teaching him God's word. And because of that, Paul is able to say, remember those things. That's your foundation, Timothy. You have that in your back pocket at all times. And those things are the things that make you wise for salvation. Those are the things that help your, your, faith, your faith to continue and to be steadfast and to be strong. So the influence of his mother and his grandmother are going to go with him throughout his life. I love how Paul says this about Timothy. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. What a man. Where did he get that from? Where do you get that kind of compassion, that kind of love and care? He got it from his mom, from his grandma. Don't underestimate the power you can have in raising your children and helping them to be a valuable part of the kingdom of God. As we fulfill what God has called us to fulfill, we will see spiritual growth and development in our children, and that is hope for the future generations. So we need to be sure that we're paying close attention to that. And all of this, I hope you're, you're seeing and understanding that mothers are designed to be different than fathers. They're, it's not the same. They're not playing the same role. There's very different roles that, are being, that have been given by God, and that mothers are given this sense of compassion and tenderness, uh, ability to encourage. I was going through my sermon today, and, and, and Naomi was right beside me. I was just kind of looking at my notes, and uh, I wrote like, mothers are or something, and she said encouraging. I was like, okay, well, I'll put that somewhere, because that's the way she feels about her mother. She's such an encourager. And that's, that's exactly it. We think about our mothers, we think about their, their tenderness, their compassion, the encouragement they give us. I'll tell you, my mom, you know, she worked full-time, and she went to school at one point as well, and so I didn't see her a whole lot sometimes, and, and she, she's not perfect in any way, but man, what a wonderful woman. How loving, compassionate, gentle, patient. There's plenty of times whenever I said something or did something, I was like, I deserve a spanking for that. And I didn't get one because she was just, she was patient with me. And she was compassionate and kind and gentle and tender toward me. Uh, and, and that sweetness that is in her had an impact on me. It formed my character and made me who I was. I never wanted to disappoint or disrespect my mom. And I know that many of you have moms and you feel the same way. I wanted to make her proud because the love that she poured out on me had to be worth something. And I want you to know, as moms, you have an impact, just like your mom has had an impact on you. Let it be for good. Your influence is immeasurable. You don't know how much the work that you're putting in will accomplish. It may seem like all this that you're pouring out into yourself is fruitless and empty and void. But it 
it will accomplish something if we remain true and we fulfill what God has given us to do. Just be very careful that you don't let this world corrupt what God has given you to do. Don't let it distract you from your role. Don't spend your time in your phone when your kids are there, you know, growing up without you there, noticing or paying any attention to them. Devote yourself to your children and let them uh, be your greatest work. Your greatest evangelism is right there in front of you. And husbands, let's play our role and our part. Let's lift them up and let's maintain their honor and help, help our children to see how wonderful they are and help them to appreciate the wonderful way that God has designed them. To not be a man, to not be the one who is constantly, you know, disciplining and instructing as we're supposed to do, but who's also willing to provide the comfort and the compassion that, that God wants them to have. He loves children, and we'll talk about children uh, next week. He loves children, and mothers, y'all have such a wonderful role to play in the children. Uh, we usually have an invitation song after my lesson, but today we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to sing songs about this lesson. I've said many times that uh, I really get aggravated because we're singing songs before my lesson, and I know what all those songs, I'm like, yes, I'm singing them, you know, with all the meaning, and I'm like, but you guys hadn't heard the lesson yet, so I hope y'all got all this already, y'all already know all this stuff, uh, but today Ken has decided to have songs after the lesson, so we're going to be singing a few songs, and then I'll come up and we'll have an invitation, an invitation song.